I'm talking to you about the Sabbath and what it is. Sabbath means, in the Old Testament and the New, it means rest. It does not mean Sabbath, rest. And the Bible teaches us that if we cease, what do you do on, what did they do on the Sabbath in the Old Testament? They rested. They could not go anywhere on the Sabbath like the Sabbath day keepers to do today. In Exodus, the 16th chapter, the Sabbath was given so people could stay, stay in their houses or tents. This is a picture of this is a picture of the of the tabernacle over here on the wall. It's on the screen. Huh? Alright, let's is the tabernacle on the screen? Yeah. Alright. This is a tabernacle. Right here. Here's the tabernacle. The priests were working inside the tabernacle, offering their offerings on this on this brazen altar. And I don't see a C. It's supposed to be down here. And everybody had to stay in their tents on the Sabbath. They didn't come and listen to the priest preach anything. They had to stay at home and rest. And they had to prepare their food on the day before because they couldn't cook or light any fires. If you're lighting fires, if you're driving a car and those cylinders are firing... That's against the Sabbath law to ride anything or to go anywhere. They had to stay at home. So, that's what the Sabbath was for. And they ceased working. This Sabbath series is its one of the most extensive things I ever got into. I've got a title up here, Faith, What It Is and What It Is Not. Faith is death to self, and it ceases one's own works and works for God. Ceases works. And the works that it ceases is sin, and it works for God. And when a man is in his sin... He's continuing his works. Sin is called his works or his ergon. That's the common word works. Ergon means to toil. It's difficult to be in sin. It's toil. And the Bible calls being in sin is a Babylonish thing. Babylon was the mother of all idolatry. And she was founded on self. Let us make us a name. Let us make us a name. And the word name is very interesting. It's the word shem. It means authority. You make up your own authority and you say, I don't have to do what God says. And you do. And you do. And Babel was founded upon that in Genesis 11 and 4. 11 and 4, and that was the doctrine of Babylon that mothered all idolatry.
And you'll find that in Revelation, uh, in the book of Revelation uh, 17, Revelation 17 and 4. Babylon is the mother of, it says harlots, but the word is idolatry. It's the word porne, P-O-R-N-E. We get our word porn from that, but it means idolatry, E-I-D-O-L-O-L-A-T-R-E-I-A. And it means to serve, la truo, what you see, ido. What you see or perceive, boy, that really narrows idolatry down. It doesn't mean just to bow to a statue. If you bow to your car or your house or your things or your stuff or your money, you love dirt. That's what you do. You, everything's made of dirt. And people hate the cross of Christ because their God is their belly and they mind phroneo, P-H-R-O-N-E-O. Phroneo, their sentiment is on the Bible says earthly, but the word earthly in the Greek is the word gay. It means dirt or soil. And everything you see, your car, your house, your money, you, everything is dirt. So that's what men's minds are on. So in order to enter God's rest, you have to get your mind off of dirt. And your work is your dirt. The Sabbath is spiritual now. It's not once a week. It's every day. Now, over there, and what the most convicting thing about the Sabbath is over here in Hebrews, the fourth chapter. The third and the fourth chapter of Hebrews is talking about the Sabbath. Is telling us that the people over in, as the Jews were leaving Egypt, that they could not enter into God's rest because they provoked God. Now, the way they provoked him, they refused to do what he said do. When you and I refuse to take our cross and die daily, which is a command from God, when we refuse to deny ourselves, when we refuse to go after the after the things of God, and we insist on dirt. We like our car, our things, our stuff. We like to make headway on our job. It's okay to work hard. In fact, you should work hard. You should do the best job you could do. Whatever you find, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your, all your might as a believer. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as a believer. Do it for the glory of God as a believer. But don't seek that above seeking God. Take no thought for your life. What you'll eat or what you'll drink or what you'll put on. Take thought. Merimnao means to be distracted from the things of God by the things of this world, by the dirt of this world, by all the things. Men hate the cross of Christ in Philippians, the third chapter, because they mind earthly things. Their God is their belly. The belly was the plate of our place of all sensual desires. It was an old philosophic term of the Epicureans. Now, 
one more time, I'm going to read the, this verse, and then we get back to faith, what it is and what it does. Faith dies to the flesh. I don't know if I'm explaining this clear enough, but let me just show you this one more time. Your works is your sin. When you worked, when they work seven days, six, they work six days, and the seventh they rested. Rest. The Bible equates the six days we work. We work to get all of our stuff and pay our bills. Nothing wrong with paying your bills, but don't get your mind on your stuff, your dirt, and get it away from God. And then they rest on the seventh. When we actually rest, when you learn to rest in Christ, you're going to cease your sin. But your sin doesn't go away easy. It takes fire and trial and tribulation. I cannot get away from preaching on this inner and outer man. Because that's what this whole thing is about. Paul said, I got an outer man that serves the law of the flesh. And I got an inner man, that's the new birth, that's Christ in you that serves the law of God. I'm going to quote the two verses one more time. This outer man is represented in 1 John 1 and 8. If we say we have no sin in our flesh, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And whosoever is born of God, 1 John, 1 John 3 and 9, 3 and 9. Whosoever is born of God, that's the inner man that Paul speaks about in Romans 7 and 25. This inner man is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. This inner man that's Christ in you for his seed remaineth him and he cannot sin and this man works on you a little at a time with fire trials persecution over the years till he takes over this outer man and says the outer man our self our sin has to die now as you get older you won't want to do the works of the flesh and that's what he says here in Hebrews he talks about a word all through, I've said this over and over. He talks about a word uh, in Hebrews 3 about resting. And he's talking about entering into God's rest. And he equates this word rest with the Sabbath. It's what you do on the Sabbath, which is nothing. Kataposis is the word. You got this all through. All through this third chapter, Hebrews 3. And he makes that called apostles equal to S-A-B-B-I-S-T-I-S-M-O-S. Sabbatismos. S-A-B-B-A-T-I-S. A-S-T-I-S-M-O-S. Sabbatismos is the word Sabbath. And what he is saying is this katapausis, which means pause down, P-A-U-S-I-S, is our word pause. 
And kata means down, pause down, and it actually means to settle down. And he's talking about, and he compared all of this is about these men provoking God when they're out in the wilderness. This is a long study. When they're in the wilderness here, they come out of Egypt, they come down here to Sinai, get the law. Moses goes up on the mountain, gets the law. They come up here to Kadesh Barnea. God tells them to go in to conquer the land. And the and the fighting men say, we don't want to do that. So God says, I'm going to kill everybody 20 years old and upward. That's That's military age in Israel. Because they murmured against God and said, we don't want to go in because those are giants. He says, therefore, everyone 20 years old and upward will not go into the Sabbath of God. And he called the promised land God's Sabbath. Promised land was called the Sabbath. And he said, you will not rest and I will kill off this, this, these, all these people out here in the wilderness Well, I should put it over here. I'm going to kill off everybody in the wilderness that's of military age except Joshua and Caleb. Because Joshua and Caleb said, we'll go into the land and we'll fight those men of Anak. They said, we'll do it. And the other people said, we won't. And God called. He said, these men 20 years old and upward... I'm going to make you wander in the wilderness 40 years and you're not going to enter into my Sabbath. And he called Canaan his Sabbath because they would not cease their sin and believe God that they could conquer the men of Anak. And he compares that with us. This is a comparison of our lives right here that we can enter into the Sabbath of God and he tells us what the Sabbath is in the fourth chapter. Every time you find the word rest except for one verse, it's always kataposis. And he compares the kataposis in two verses. He calls, you can't go into the Sabbath and kataposis and settle down and rest. He called that Canaan. And he says, you can't do that because of un." Belief. Unbelief. Unbelief, when you look it up in the Greek, unbelief is the word A-P-I-S-T-I-S. Apistis. And the word believe is the word P. I-S-T-I-S. That's not the word believe. That's the word faith. That's the noun. And the verb is P-I-S-T-E-U-O. That is the word believe. That's the verb. I could not understand when I was young. Why does the Bible say believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? By grace you are saved through faith. Faith is the noun. Believe is the verb. Believe shows action. That's what you do. Action. He that doeth truth cometh to the light. 
He that doeth righteousness is righteous. I love those verses because they go in opposition to all those independent Baptists that say works has nothing to do with your salvation. Works don't bring about your salvation. You're saved to work. God's not going to birth you into his family and let you live the way you want. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. We have to be obedient to him. We have to obey the gospel. The Bible says so over and over and over again. Jesus is going to come back in flaming fire, taking vengeance on all of them that know not God and that obey not the gospel. We have to be obedient to the gospel. That's insane thinking you don't have to obey God. Well, you're saved by grace through faith, you just walk down the aisle and you're all free. No, you're not. Where Paul said, I am a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He was a prisoner of darkness, now he's a prisoner of Christ. And he said, if I don't bring my body in subjection, I'll be a castaway. Castaway is the word A-D-O-K-I-M-A-S. Adokimas is the word castaway. It's also the word reprobate. What do you mean by reprobate? Well, it comes from the word dokimas, D-O-K-I-M-A-S. Dokimas means fire, trial, trial, persecution. It's going through tribulation. It's tribulation. It means to try or prove what we are. So God puts us into fire, tribulation, persecution. And and when you place the alpha in front of dokimos as an alpha privative, the first letter of the Greek alphabet, it negates the word and gives an opposite meaning. It means no fire. That's where people don't like fire. The trying of your faith is more precious than gold that perisheth will be tried by fire. So that's saying, well, I don't need fire and I don't like fire. I like to be friends with everybody. Don't like people hating me, so I'm not going to tell them the truth about predestination and Christmas is pagan. Because I don't want to make any enemies. I don't like fire. I like being popular in this world. If you do, you're not the friend of God. Friendship with the world is enmity, ekthra. It's an enemy of God. It's hostile to God. So, you got to have the fire and the trials in order. And the fire and the trials is faith. Faith is death to self. Death to self. I have put this on the board. I've had people write me, email me, and say, what do you mean death to self? Oh, I've said this 500 times in the last year in the pulpit, maybe a 1,000 times. Faith is. What is it? Hebrews 11 and 1. My father used to quote this and he didn't know what it meant. Faith is. So, what is faith? And what it is not. Faith is is not unbelief. Unbelief. I pistis. Pistis is the word faith. The alpha says faith is not or no faith. 
That's unbelief. Now, we're talking about what faith is. I'm going to give you the definition of faith. Probably the best definition in all the Bible, you'll find it in Hebrews 11 and 1. This is the best definition of faith. Faith is. How else can you say what definition is without putting the word is in it? Anytime you have is, you can actually substitute the word equals. Faith equals. That means there's a balance in this equation. Faith is or equals. Faith is. Equals the substance of things hoped for. Substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. That's what faith is. Now I've heard... Fred Price say substance, that's things and stuff. No, that's dirt. It's not it's not things. I've heard those charismatics say substance is things. Maybe in our language it's not in the Greek. In the Greek it's hupo. Stasis. Hupostasis is a construction of two words. Hupo is the common word under. Hupo. Under. And stasis is the word stand. Stasis means to stand. Faith is understanding. But Romans 3.10 11, 12 says there's none righteous, not one. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. God has to put understanding in our hearts. And understanding is uh, like a gift that God has to put in you. If you go to college, if you go up here to Ball State and take a course in advanced mathematics of some kind, algebra or trigonometry, you have to have an understanding mind to be able to take that. You have to have an understanding mind before you ever go take it. You don't have to know it, but you have to be have an understanding. We had a fellow that uh, had to move back to Kansas that was Phil Williams and his wife, Stephanie, Phil was the best fix-it man I have ever run across. I mean, the guy, he could fix your car, he could build your house, he could repair anything. I told him I was sad to see him go. I called him and said, I sad to see you go. You were the best fix-it man we had. And he could fix anything. He'd just look at something, evaluate it, and fix it. If it's electrical, if it's a motor, if it was a wall in your house, it was plumbing. I'd say, can you do this? He said, yeah. Just that simple. He had an understanding and analyzing things like that. If you're going to learn the Bible, you have to have an understanding mind before you ever take the course. And you have to be willing to stop and think about what you're hearing. And that's why if you have an understanding, you are a thinker. Well, you have to be a thinker 
because repent means to think differently. Metanoia. Notice how all these things tie together. Metanoia, M-E-T-A-N-O-I-A. Metanoia is the word repent, and it means to think, but to be turned and think differently, and that's the only way you have understanding because there's none that understandeth. So, if you understand and you go to college, then you'll start learning, won't you? You'll learn. Learning. You'll learn. Only one who understands will learn. And faith is the gift of God. Gift is not our word gift. It doesn't mean um, to wrap up a present and give it to you. That's not it. It's the word doran. It means a sacrifice. You, In order to learn, you've got to sacrifice all of your opinions. If you go into a, if you go into a, a geometry class, and the teacher says something like, "If a transversal bisects parallel lines, opposite angles are equal, complementary angles are equal to 180 degrees," and uh, that's adjacent angles are equal to 180 degrees. Complementary angles are equal. Well, you can say, I don't believe that. Well, it don't matter whether you believe it or not. It's true. And I can explain that to you. But you can sit there and say, I don't believe that. He said, you need to leave the class because this is mathematical facts. Well, that's what we're talking about. Mathetes. In order to learn, you have to be a learner or a mathetes. You have to be a disciple. Disciple is not somebody that teaches somebody that to go to church. That's not what a disciple is. Disciple is the word mathetes. We got a word mathematics from that. And it's the, it is the word disciple in the New Testament Greek. It means a learner. You have to be able to crucify self, listen to the teacher, and crucify. If you have an understanding, you've got to crucify self if you're going to be a learner. And Jesus said, he tells you you have to crucify self in Luke 14, 14, 27. He said, he that beareth not his cross, this is a daily cross, and followeth after me, cannot be my disciple, my learner, and you cannot understand, and that's what faith is. That's the best definition of faith in the Bible. You can't find a better one. And faith has all these things Faith has to get stronger and stronger and stronger. As you grow older, faith must grow. And when it grows, you're entering more into the Sabbath. I've got to read that verse to you again here in Hebrews. 
in Hebrews 4. And now all these other places rest. When you see rest in in verse 11, that's called a phosis. You see rest all through here. You see it in verse 18 of chapter 3, called a phosis. And he, then you see it in verse 1 of chapter 4, called a phosis. You see it in 3 of verse 4, called a phosis twice. And then you see it once in verse 4, called a phosis. You see it again in verse 5, called a phosis. And then you see it in verse 8, called apostles. Then you see rest in verse 8, comparing it to called apostles. And in verse 8 is sabbatismos. And he says, For if Jesus had given these people in the wilderness the Sabbath, but he didn't give them the called apostles because they, didn't, they were in unbelief. They were an opistus. Then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? There remaineth therefore the cautopasis, the rest of God, comparing it with the Sabbath in Canaan's land. This is all very figurative language. And then he says, For he that is entered into God's Sabbath, but it has actually says cautopasis, hath ceased from his own works. So the more you enter into God's rest, this is the way it works. Faith increases at the same time the Sabbath is increasing in your life. And faith is growing stronger and stronger. Faith, F-A-I-T-H, faith. And faith gets stronger and stronger. Faith is death to self. He that beareth not his cross and followeth after me cannot be my disciple. So disciple is a, a disciple comes about by a cross, by a daily cross, disciple and that's understanding so you can learn and faith is understanding and faith is also is also substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen evidence is the word elpis e-l-p-i-s it comes from e-l-p-i-z-o it means to depend on promises that have been given. Promise doesn't mean you can make up your own promise. God's already promised us eternal life. He's promised us persecution. And he's promised us tribulation. Those are promises. So our faith will increase. It'll increase. Faith must increase. The Bible says so. Let me go back to where I was last week. I didn't finish what I was talking about last week. Let's go back to Second Peter 1. 1. And I had a guy that used to come here and said, Faith don't increase. You really don't know nothing about the Bible, mister. Anyway, 
Look like a mister. All right. Go to Second Peter. Second Peter. I got to finish what I started last week. When I I read to you, verse five. Besides all this, give all diligence. Add to your faith. And I named the seven things you have to add. Seven things. And he names virtue. I'll put them down. Virtue. And then next he's talking about knowledge. Then temperance. Knowledge. Temperance. This is how your faith add. If you add something, it's increasing, isn't it? Well, it's not just increasing. It's not only increasing, but it's a command to add. It's an imperative mood. You can look that up. First of all, you look the word up in an interlinear Bible, get the exact spelling, Go to an analytical lexicon, look it up, and it will say by the word IMP, meaning imperative. It's a command. And if God is inspiring this scripture, he's the same God that was in the beginning, that was Christ, all things were made by him. Without him is not anything made that was made. And he created all things by and for himself. So if Jesus is the one inspiring this in this book, then he is the same God that in the beginning gave the command, let there be light. And there was light. So when he commands for us to add, E-P-I-C-H-O-R-E-G-E-O. Epicoregio means to cover your life with this choreography of God. And I've... Correggio, we get the word choreography. It means a circular dance, and the Jews had a sacred dance. They danced at all of their gatherings, their their feast days. Now, I'm not going to go through each one of them. I'm just going to just show you some things. Patience, then godliness, patience. This is the dance that we dance. We're commanded to do this. This is not an option. It's not, would you like to dance this dance? That's not it. We're commanded to. It comes from koros, which means a circular dance, and ago meaning to lead. A choreographer is a dance leader. Well, that's where they got it from, the Greek language. So, patience, and then after patience, we have Brotherly kindness. Did I miss one there? Knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness. Godliness. Brotherly kindness, which is the word philosadelphos. We get the word Philadelphia from that. Brotherly kindness. And then the last one, charity. Now, when you add charity, there's a whole list of... When you're added, all of this together, knowledge, gnosis, something happens to you. 
virtue arete. When you add arete, you add maturity. Well, that takes you years to grow up and be mature. Maturity. Knowledge takes a long time reading this book and marking it up to learn it. I wear out a Bible. I don't mean this in a boast, but I wear one out about every eight years. They just literally fall to pieces on me. I'm writing in it all the time, scribbling all over it. You can't learn. You can't get a Bible and brush up against it and learn it. It's kind of like, I bought me a piano, and I I just thought if I rub over over close to it, get close to it, I'll learn to play. No, you won't. You gotta sit and practice, 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 practice. Twenty five years, then you may be a good piano player. Practice six hours a day. You can't become a great piano player without it. So knowledge, temperance, Enkratia, E G K R E T E I A. Patience, hupomeno, that's the verb form, hupomeno, that's the verb form of, of endure. He that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved, but he tries our patience with fire and trials, and we want the fire and we want the trial. And then patience, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness is Oops, I put it twice. That's philosodelphos. We get the word Philadelphia. It means an affection for the brethren, but you can't have an affection for the brethren unless they're walking in God's truth. You can't show it to them. Godliness, Eusebia. One of the best definitions for that is like God. It means like Christ, and that's what we're predestined to be in his image or his likeness. And then charity is the word agape. Now I'll go further into that. All of these are like one thing. You'll add, you'll add them all, but they won't add them all at once. It'll take years to add all of it to your life. Now, let's read the rest of this. I didn't finish up what I started last week. If you add these seven things, remember the word seven in the Hebrew is the word Sheba. And it comes from, that's the word seven. It comes from a word Shabua, S-H-E-B-U-A-H. And Shabua means to take an oath to God Oath or two seven oneself. You can find that in your concordance by looking up seven, and right next to it will be Shabua, and that's the word oath. How long does it take an oath to take an oath? You have to be sevened. You got to add these things. You can't take an oath just because you walk down and I'll say, "I'd like to confess Jesus as my Savior." You're not taking an oath to God. You take an oath after you're seven. Now, let's read these seven things one more time. Not the seven things, but let's, let's read, read what happens after you become seven. And he says here, 
in the next verse after he says charity. For if these things be in you, what things is he talking about? What he just said, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, but the definition of them, godliness, I like what Mr. Strong says. He says, Godliness, Eusebia, means the gospel scheme of things. Boy, the gospel is not something that's discussed. The gospel, when you see the gospel in the Bible, in the New Testament, it's always the word E-U-A-G-G. E-L-I-O-N, euangelion. It comes from the word E-U-A-G-G-E-L-I-Z-O. That word euangelizo is our word evangelize. Evangelize. And it is a construction of E-U and A-G-G-E-L-O-S. Angelos is the word angel. That's a terrible word. I don't like that word. Because all it means, people get the idea when they read in the Bible, I saw an angel. No, you didn't. (laughs) The Bible says in Colossians, the second chapter, let me just read that to you. I'll just flip over there and I'll get back to this. You're not seeing angels. The Bible says so. In Colossians, the second chapter. And this is talking about heavenly angels. People are saying, in verse 18, Let no man beguile you of reward in a voluntary humility. Humility is not something you volunteer. We have to be crushed under the hand of God. Humble yourself under the hand of God. That's not voluntary. Humble. Tepanua means to level self. You won't level yourself. Tepanua. T-A-P-E-I-N-O-O. T-A-P-E-I-N-O-O. It means to level mountains and hills. Mountains or capital cities of an empire. There's two mountains in the Bible, Babylon and Jerusalem or Zion. Zion, they're at war with one another. We are heavenly Jerusalem. We've come to Mount Zion, heavenly Jerusalem, the church. That's in Hebrews 12. Babylon is the mountain, the God says that Babylon is a destroying mountain. She's a proud mountain. She's founded on self. Let us make us a name. God says, I'm going to make her a burnt mountain. Well, Tepanua means to level mountains or to level self. That's what it means. Now, he's saying, he says, goes on to say here, let no man beguile you of your reward through a voluntary humility. God has to cut us down. That's the same thing as getting rid of this outer man, which is self. Babylon was built on self. 
Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, talking about heavenly angels there, intruding into those things which they have not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. Anybody who says they're seeing angels, heavenly angels, at the end of their bed in the middle of the night, that's not true. So, preach the gospel is this word, euangelizo. Anytime you find preach the gospel, it's this one word, euangelizo. Evangelize. That's all it means. Anytime you find gospel, it's evangelize. Euangelion is the word gospel. Anytime you find the word gospel in the Bible, it's euangelion. Evangelism. Well, message. That's all it means. And the well, gosh, I got so much more to say about the gospel. John came preaching the baptism of repentance. This is why baptism, another reason why baptism of repentance, John did not baptize with a baptism of repentance. He preached it. He he baptized with a proselyte process to bring people into the kingdom. That's a long story. That was something that they did on a national scale for their Judaistic way of living. So they so the Pharisees came up with this circumcision washed in water and offered two turtle doves. If you did that, you could come from Greece or Rome and become a member of the kingdom of God, which is a term for Israel. And that was the naturalization process. That's why Jesus was washed in water, because the Pharisees kept calling him a Samaritan, which they said was northern Israel, which they didn't want anything to do with, because they said they had a mixed religion up there. When the Assyrians came in to carry him away, they intermarried with the women up there and brought their son and tree worship in and mixed it with Jehovah worship, and we have that in Baptist churches today. Amazing. Baptism, John came preaching the baptism of repentance. This is what Luke 3, starting in verse 3, says. He came preaching. This shows that this has to be a blood baptism because he defines the baptism of repentance right after these words. John came preaching the baptism of repentance, which was prepare the way. Way. Baptism is the way. There's two ways, a narrow way. And a Broadway. So baptism is equal to the narrow way. Narrow is the word thelebo. Thelebo means to crowd through a narrow opening. And that is the verb form of the word thelipsis. Which is the word tribulation. Now watch this. Tribulation is the baptism 
That's the way, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And I'm showing you how this is the gospel also. Make his path straight through a narrow opening. So baptism is the way, and it's narrow. And the reason for that is God has to put you through the tribulation to burn out this outer man. So the outer man, the outer man will die off as you get old. My outer man has really died off a lot since I've gotten old. I don't want to do the things I used to want to do. This man can't sin. This man can't quit sinning. So, so baptism, and here's how it's the gospel. Mark says these same words. Mark, the first chapter, the first three verses, one, one through three. He says, the beginning of the gospel. The beginning of the euangelizo, or euangelion. The beginning of the euangelion, or evangelism, is, he says, prepare ye the way. So the gospel is prepare the the thalipsis, the thalibo, and baptism is the thalibo. So the blood baptism is equal to the gospel, isn't it? They both are the narrow way. So that's what this is talking about. Now, let's get back to Second Peter 1 and verse 8. If these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful. If you have these seven things in you, you can, you know, I could spend a lifetime going to all these verses. Every time you find the word perfect, perfect, it equals virtue. Perfect is the word teleos or teleates. That's the final completion. It means to be mature or to finish something, to finish. When the Bible says in Revelation 10 and 7, at the sounding of the seventh trump, the mystery of God is finished. Teleotes, and the mystery of God is the church. According to Ephesians, the third chapter and the fifth chapter. That's the mystery of God is the church. The reason it's a mystery because God reveals himself only to whomsoever he will. And that's just the few that go through the narrow way. That's the few that's in his kingdom. Fear not little flock. It's just a little flock. It's not many. So let's get back over here to this. So I hope you can see evangelize. Baptism is... A blood baptism, that's death to self. That's the same thing as faith is the substance, hypostasis of things hoped for. Hypostasis, understanding, and then you're a disciple, and you can't be a disciple whether day or cross. That's death to self. So everything, a blood baptism is death to self. 
Tribulation brings about death to self. That's the narrow way we go through. And this is the exact opposite of what preachers are preaching. Now, let's finish this up. If these things, these seven things be in you. Remember I said seven is the word Sheba. Shabuah means to be seven or take an oath to God. So you have to add all these things to take an oath to God. But these things don't happen overnight. It might take 40 years before you become mature. You can't be mature one day. You can't go up to a five-year-old and say, you need to get your apartment. Dad, I will if I can get to be 21 or 2. If you give me some years, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful. What are the fruit of the Spirit? Boy. Let me just show you something, how these verses match up. Look at Galatians, the verse that we've been talking about. It's funny how that God matches these things up in Scripture. He says here in Galatians 5, Now he said, The man that enters into God's Sabbath or in God's rest ceases from his own works. Right? Ergon means to toil or labor. And he equates that works with sin. So he says here in Galatians 5, Galatians 5, verse 19, the ergon of the flesh, the works of the flesh, that's what a man ceases from. And he starts naming the works of the flesh, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry. But then he goes to, to enter into God's Sabbath, you have to go to the fruit of the Spirit. And he goes into, the after he finishes with the works of the flesh, he says, those which do such things, at the end of verse 21, shall not inherit, inherit the kingdom of God. And then he says, for the fruit of the Spirit is, that word is is important, because is is a singular, it's a singular being verb. That means all these fruit, the word fruit is the word karpos. It's singular. And it starts, it's singular. It's one fruit, just like a cluster of grapes, is one fruit. And these are all the grapes on the stalk. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And I don't have time to go through each one of those words. I'll just say, go back over here to Second Peter. For if these things be in you to abound, verse 8, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the fruit of the Spirit. That's where you enter into God's Sabbath. In the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these seven things is blind. Now, wait a minute. It doesn't mean that this person is not a believer. It just means 
before you lack these things, you're jumping around as a young believer. Boy, I'm going to go out and win the world for Christ. No, you're not. How can you win the world when only few are going to believe? I used to feel that way when I was young. I wanted to go out and witness to everybody, and I just wound down. You wind up, and then you wind down. So it's, what are you talking about, Jim? That means new converts, people that have been saved at weeks, months, two or three years are young in the faith. They haven't learned to accept the persecution and the fire and draws. We have to accept that. He that lacketh these things, these seven, you can put seven things. He that lacketh these seven things is blind and cannot see very far. He's nearsighted spiritually and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. He says you can forget if you don't add these things. And then he says, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. What does sure mean? It don't mean positive. Make your calling and election eclectos. Sure. Sure doesn't mean to be positive. It's the word be by us. It means to stabilize by adding these seven things. That's what will make you more sure of your belief is by adding knowledge, by adding maturity. takes a long time to do that. A lot of times when you're young, you want to give up and quit. I did. Did I quit? Oh, yeah. I put Christ to an open shame. I crucified the Son of God afresh in my life because I went back out in my sin. Has anybody done that besides me? <laughs> We've all done that. I know that. I'm just asking that. So maybe you'll be honest enough to say, yes, I have done that. Now, so if you, then he goes on to say, for if you do these things, you shall never fall. What things? The seven things that increase your faith. I have people say, you can't increase faith. Well, certainly you can. Not only can you, but you will because you're commanded to. Look over here in, look over here in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. I had this guy coming. He said he didn't believe in increasing faith. You got all the faith you needed when you, uh, when you got saved. Well, you don't get saved. Saved is the word souls with something God does in you. Now he says here in 2 Corinthians 10, in 2 Corinthians, Corinth was a worldly church. It was probably the most carnal church out there. He said, you're always arguing with each other about who you're following. I'm of Paul, I'm of Paulus, I'm of Cephas, I'm of Peter. He said, I'm tired of hearing that. And they don't, he said, they said, we don't like your letters. Your letters are weighty. They're full of correction. We don't like that. And then he says here in 
verse 10, for his letters say the Corinthians, they are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak. Boy, you are strong writing us letters, but you're like a weak guy. Well, he couldn't hardly see well. He was probably stumbling along. He'd been beaten and stoned and left for dead and People were chasing him. He was weak. And his speech is contemptible. That's how Corinth felt about him there in verse 10. Let such an one think this, that such as we are in the word by letters, when we are absent, such will we be also indeed when we're present. Wait till I get there. You think I'm tough? I'll get real tough on you because you're not living right, Corinth. And they're saying bad things about Paul, for we dare not make ourselves of the number uh, or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. People say, I did this and I did that and I'm really great. But they they measure themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. You have to compare yourself to Christ and when you do, you'll find out how uh, at lack of of advancement you're making. And then he goes down here in verse 15. Not boasting of things outside of measure, outside of the Bible, that is, of other men's labors, but having hope when your faith is increased. When your faith is oxano. What is enlarged? A-U-X-A-N-O. It means exactly that. When it increases. When faith increases, you really know that something is going on in your life and you really become strong. Then that we should be he says, when your faith is increased, that we should be enlarged. The word means to be elevated. Hopsoma. H-O-P-S-O-M-A. It means we will be raised up to a height. We will be enlarged by you abundantly you've been griping about me i've had a lot of people complain about me in this ministry and get mad and leave and then make up stories and lies about me that are not true i've had two different guys write letters and send them all over the united states and they had no idea what they were talking about what do i do nothing i leave it alone if god wants to fight that battle that's up to him i'm not going to fight these people what, when you are head of a company or you're head of anything, when you're the leader in charge, you find people that are always complaining and griping because they haven't added to their faith. Expect people to make mistakes. I make mistakes, but I don't do most of the things, most of the things that I've been accused of. But by you, according to our rule abundantly, to preach the gospel in regions beyond you, not to boast in another man's line of things made ready to our hand. He said, 
I'm not going to boast in another man's accomplishments. I'm just going to tell you what I'm doing. Now look over here in Second Thessalonians. Faith must increase. And when it does, what does it mean to increase? It means to grow. Faith has to grow. Over here in Second Thessalonians 1. Verse 3, we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly. And the charity of every one, the agape of every one of you, all toward each other aboundeth. That word groweth exceedingly is one word in the Greek. It's hooperoxano. Hooper. Oxano. It means to grow. Hooper means above. It means to abound tremendously to a height. Now, what do you mean increase? Well, let's read something over here in Matthew, the 17th chapter. The apostles come to Jesus. Matthew 17. We're talking about increasing in the Sabbath. You can rest. The older you get, the stronger your faith gets. Faith increasing equals, let me put it this way. Faith increasing equals a strong Sabbath. That's what it equals. Or faith growing. Faith must grow. How much time do I have, Mike? 27. All right, let me see if I can say some of this. All right. I'm going to leave that inner and that outer man there. Maybe I can redraw it. Because this is all about that inner and that outer man. Faith increasing. Faith increasing. Equals Sabbath. The more faith increasing... Sabbath increases. And faith has to grow. That is what increasing is. And it tells you what this means. All right. Now let's look over here in Luke 17. All these verses come together. Verse 5, And the apostles said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. Now I had this one guy used to come here, he said, that means they didn't have any faith. No, they had little faith. They had oligos pistis, puny faith. When you're brand new in the belief, as a believer, and these apostles were brand new, they had puny faith. 
Jesus had told them that several times. Oh, ye of puny faith. He didn't say, oh, ye of no faith. No faith would be opistus. No faith. No faith. The alpha negating the word means no faith. But they had oligos pistis. Pistis is the word faith. It means puny faith. When you have puny faith, it has to grow. And so they say, Lord, we're just young men and you just called us. Increase our faith. And and the Lord said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed. It does not say if you have faith as small as a grain of mustard seed. It says as a grain. When you find out what a mustard seed is about, then you'll know what increasing faith is about. The mustard seed was about the size of a grain of pepper. That's awful small, isn't it? And the mustard seed, when it was full grown, was the size, was up to 17, 18 feet tall. When the Bible says you have to have faith as a grain of mustard seed, it could say as a mustard seed grows, increases, so must your faith increase. What's the funny thing is the birds of the air loved the mustard seed. The mustard seed was the smallest grain of any herb in a garden. And the birds loved the mustard seed. They'd come and pluck the mustard seed and eat it up. The Bible says... When your faith increases and you got this big shrub, 18 feet tall, that the birds of the air will come and nest in the mustard seed branches and it will not harm them. Birds were equated with evil. In this case, as evil. And they couldn't devour you anymore. They could sit on your branches and have their their claws gripping the branches, but it's not going to affect you anymore. That's when your faith grows. Let's read this. And Jesus answers that question. It sounds like he's diverting their question, and he's not. And he tells them, if you have the faith of a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree, A sycamine tree was a form of a fig tree. Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea. Anytime something is planted in the sea, it's talking about a Babylonian attitude. I'll go into that later. And should obey you. Well, which of you having a servant plying or feeding cattle will send to him by and by when he is coming from the field go and sit down to meet now he's going to answer their question right here and will not rather say unto him make ready wherewith 
I may sup and gird thyself and serve me till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Doth he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. When you're the servant of Christ, he doesn't thank you for doing the things he commands you to do. So likewise ye, when you have done all these things which are commanded you, when you do his commandments, which is death to self, and partaking in God's Sabbath, and doing his things, the fruit of the Spirit, you will say, we are unprofitable servants, We have done that which was our duty to do. When you do your duty, that's when your faith increases. When you realize it's not all of you, it's all of God. And he had to put that in you to do that. Now, let me give you a couple more of these. Let's go over here to Matthew 17 and 20. Matthew 17. And all these talk about faith increasing. Matthew 17 and verse 20. 17 and 20. Now this is where Jesus, a man comes to him and says, My son is lunatic. Well, now Jesus didn't believe that. Lunatic means moonstruck. He's saying, my son is a vampire or he's a werewolf. They had werewolves and vampires back then, and they were called demons. That that didn't start with Bram Stoker writing Dracula. It's been in the ancient world. Have much to say about that. And they they brought the man to Jesus, and Jesus rebuked the demonion, the distributing fortunes, And he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that hour. Then came the disciples of Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? There's a lot to casting out devils. That's Christ writing upon fleshy tables of our hearts. If I with the finger of God cast out devils, then the kingdom of God is coming to you. And Jesus said unto them, Because of your apistus, A-P-P. I-S-T-I-S. They were so young, they were probably trying to cast out a demon rather than telling the man he needed to repent. For verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, a mountain was a capital city of an empire. There's two mountains mentioned in Scripture. Babylon, the mother of harlots, a proud mountain over there in Jeremiah 51. God says, I'm going to make you a burnt mountain. He burns Babylon, which is the mother of all idolatry, and see her burning over there in Revelation 18. The mountain of the world is burning, and all of her goodies is being destroyed. That's at the end of time. He says, you can say to this mountain, and you had Zion, God's mountain, and we preach to God's mountain and say, repent, there in the 36th chapter of Ezekiel. Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. How be it this kind? They believed in the first century, they believed when you had a demon, that was an ancestor that was 
possessing you. And that word kind is the word genos. means kinfolk. I don't have time to go into that. If you believed in demons, you had to believe in genies, and you had to believe in fairies because they were the different. They were different things in different cultures, and they all granted you wishes. He said, "This kind goeth not out by by prayer. Prayer means to bow to the will of God. Prosukomai, P R O S E U C H O M A I, means to." Pros toward UK, toward the will of another. Prayer means to bow to the will of God. That's the same thing as death to self. That's the same thing as faith being the substance, understanding, and become a disciple by David Cross. So you bow to the will of God. Prosukomai. And what's the last thing he says? Prosukomai. And he says, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. There was only one fast in the ancient world. Oh, no. You can find that in Isaiah 53. Huh? I can't hear you. 58, excuse me. Isaiah 58, where he says, the true fast is giving up self or the flesh that's the same thing that's the same thing as the daily cross dead to self above baptism the gospel notice all these things are equal to one another faith equals a daily cross which is death to self equals a blood baptism baptism equals the gospel and both of these equal the narrow way and that's getting rid of getting rid of self the outer man All of this, and that's also drinking in a cup. All of these are equal to one another. Drinking cup. And anything else, that's also equal to self-denial. The self-denial. It's also equal to daily dying. Paul said, I die daily. All these are equal. They're all equal to each other. Now let's get back to where we were. So he says, and on the day of atonement was the true fast. That's in Leviticus, the 16th chapter. And that's, there's something I'm trying to remind myself of. In the 16th chapter of Leviticus, and they call that, this is the day of atonement. 16th chapter of Leviticus and not the 16th uh, 16th chapter that's where they offered the scapegoat and that was the only true fast and they call that afflicting the flesh 
afflicting themselves. They gave up self. That's the true fast. I don't have time to go into the uh, into the uh, the rest of that. And now let's look here one time at Matthew thirteen. Matthew thirteen, and this will explain to you what I've been talking about. Do I have any time, Mike? All right. The 13th chapter of Matthew, 13. 13th chapter and verse, let's start here in verse 31. Another parable put he forth unto them. The kingdom of heaven is like. Kingdom of heaven was a term for Israel. God was their king. Kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven one and the same thing. Matthew always says kingdom of heaven. The Pharisees didn't want to bring reproach upon the name of God. So about 200 B.C., they started inserting kingdom of heaven where it had kingdom of God. They're the same thing. It's like to a grain of mustard seed which a man took and sowed in a field which indeed is the least of all seeds. That's what I told you. But when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs. It'll be about 18 feet tall or taller. And becometh a tree so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. And it doesn't mean anything. You see, if you, the Satan will come and take it away if you don't grow. You have to grow. You must grow. And then, then let's go over here to Mark 4. Mark 4. I love these verses on this. Mark 4, and starting in verse 30. Mark 4. And verse 30. And he said, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what comparison shall we compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth, it is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. I told you that already. And when it is sown, it groweth up and becometh greater than all the herbs and shooteth out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it and not harm it. That's the way your faith has to grow. When it grows, it has to grow like a grain of mustard seed grows. You see people with a little bitty bracelet on. They used to make them and have a little bitty mustard seed and a little little plastic glass thing. It's not as small as a grain of mustard seed. As a grain of mustard seed grows. And look at Luke 13. Luke 13. Verse 18 and 19. Luke thirteen, eighteen. 18. 
Then Jesus said unto what is the kingdom of God like? Whereunto shall I resemble it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and cast out in his garden, and it grew and waxed a great tree. And the fowls of the air lodged in the branches of it. He says that several times, at least three times, that the fowls of the air come, and at one time, when it was just a grain on the ground, they would come and they'd lick it up with one peck. It's gone. And they liked it because it was delicious to them. But once it grows, the birds of the air are a picture of Satan. Once it grows, they can't do any harm to it. Did I read Matthew 17 and 20? Did I read that? So it has to be like a grain of mustard seed. It has to increase. So when the mustard seed increases, your faith increases and your sin decreases. People, I've never heard people say, never heard a preacher say, sin has to decrease. Do you have sin in your physical body? If you say you don't, you deceive yourself and the truth is not in you. You lie. You got an inner and an outer man. Most people are so confused about the seventh chapter of the Romans. When I do the things that I would not, it's no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. O wretched man that I am, who's going to deliver me from the body of this sinful death I live in? At 80, I'll be 82 here in May. And I, I don't want the sin that I used to want. Just don't want it. If God doesn't change you as you're getting older, your faith is not increasing. And if you never have an increasing faith, you don't belong to God. Because He commands us to add to our faith. Doesn't He? I just, all of this is equal. Faith has to grow unbelief God gives us a definition of unbelief he gives us a definition apistus the best definition is in the fourth chapter of Romans best definition starting in verse 17 here's the the word is apistus means no Faith. Here's the best definition. Romans 4. And this destroys one of the charismatics' doctrines. It just literally annihilates it. Because you have to start there in Romans 4 and verse 17. Speaking of Abraham, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who who quickeneth the dead. This has to do with no faith and faith. What real faith is and what no faith is. God quickens the dead. God does the quickening. Man doesn't do that. You can't walk an aisle. And quicken yourself. Z-O-O-P-O-I-E-O. Zoopoio comes from zoon. Get our word zoo from that means alive. 
You go to a zoo to see living animals. That's a Greek word, zoo. And poeo means to make alive. Means to make alive. God quickens the dead and calls those things that be not as though they were. Something that was not was something that was dead. There in Matthew, the second chapter, Herod gave an edict to kill all the children, all the males two years old and under, because Jesus was two years old living in a house. And the Bible says Rachel was weeping with children because they were not. You got was not all through the Old Testament. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. He was there in the 15th chapter of Genesis. Abraham was 99 years old when God says, you're going to have a son. And he didn't have any sperm seed anymore. And Sarah didn't ovulate anymore. And she was... 89 he was 99 and he had a son at 90 and she was she was 90 and he was 100 according to the that which is spoken so shall thy seed be and be not weak in faith Abraham considered not his own body now dead he's 99 years old who was about 100 years old that's when he had the boy Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, this is calling things that be not. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. Stagger is the definition of unbelief, no faith. Stagger is the word diacrino. He staggered not. Diacrino, crino means to judge and we're to judge righteous judgment. Judge means to decide guilt or innocent or right or wrong. And Abraham couldn't have children. He said, okay, if that's what you want, I'll have one. And dia means to become the channel of judging or the method of judging. It means to discriminate. Discrimination is unbelief. We don't discriminate and say what's right and wrong with God. He tells us what he'll do, and that's what he does. And that's what, and everywhere you find this word diacrino, it means unbelief. You want to know what unbelief is? Opistus. When God promises something, you just act. You can't come up and make up your own promises. The charismatics and Pentecostals say, well, I believe God will give me what I promise, what I come up and make up as a promise. No, he promised you eternal life, but he also promised you death to self. He also promised you the daily cause. He also promised you deny self, take up your cross daily and follow me. Those are commands of God. Do I have any time, Mike? Two minutes. Well, it's hard to give anything else. I've got all these... I've got all these verses on unbelief I want to go through. Faith increases our rest. Death to self. Death to self stops you from worrying and contending with people and striving with them and arguing and fighting. I've come to a place in the last 15 years I refuse to argue with anybody. I will tell them what the truth is. A lot of times people think I'm hard the way I answer emails. 
I'm just telling people, it's not the way you say. When they write to me and they put some error in it, I don't read the emails before I get up here behind the pulpit. Tom brings them to me from the house, from the office, and I and the first time I see them is when I start reading them. And when you say something that's wrong, I'll say, that's wrong. Don't ask me a question about something you want it to be right unless you call me and ask me on the phone because I will tell you if it's wrong. I'm not doing out of being angry. I just don't believe in letting people get by with error. It'll mess up your life. Well, I'm through. I'll come back Saturday. We'll say some more on the the covenant. The covenant actually has to do with this. What I'm preaching on Saturday has to do with all this because there's two sides to a covenant. There is God picks a people. That's predestination. And he births them by his will. Then he says, you have to obey my words, what I say, but it takes death to self, a blood baptism, the gospel, the narrow way, in order to... Everything I'm teaching connects with everything else I'm teaching. Do you all see that? Everything is just like blends. It synthesizes. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. Lord, I don't know even know how to thank you so much for what you do. Thank you for letting me see these things, for analyzing them and understanding them. I don't know how to thank you, but I do. I pray you'll give us strength to continue. Strengthen the flock, those people that write to us. Strengthen them. Let their faith grow. Let them realize they can't learn everything all at once. It takes sitting down and reading and studying and opening up their concordance and their other books. And if they're really, really hungry, that they'll be filled. Fight all of our battles. I will never fight again, Lord. We'll give you praise for everything in Christ's name. Amen. And lead us to your elect.